Father God, we again uh, are humbled to consider that you've asked us to come, even more humbled to consider that you've asked us to come boldly. But knowing that it's the throne of grace, Father, we do come, and we do come boldly, and uh, we know that our sins have been set aside. Uh, the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was sufficient to cover them all. So, Father, I thank you so much for that and that we can come to the throne of grace to receive help, encouragement, strengthening, uh, and much blessing in our fellowship with you. Father, I, I, I thank you that we can come now as a group. And uh, though uh, we have many burdens, we have many thanksgivings to offer up to you, Father. And, and uh, as we're often reminded, um, there are many unspoken requests. Uh, these are ones that you know because you know the hearts uh, of your people. And uh, in fact, the Holy Spirit cries out on our behalf. And our Lord Jesus Christ intercedes for us uh, with these, with these knowledges, these, with, with these insights that they have into our special needs. So Father, we just thank you for that, that the, all that's happening independently of this prayer or any uh, prayers of ours. Father, I pray for our nation uh, and for our leaders, especially our president. And he's under attack from so many sides, Father. And I just pray for his encouragement and strengthening and, and wisdom in hard times when difficult decisions always need to be made. And I pray that you guide and lead our nation in the way it should go, Father, for your glory and honor. And for all those in every level of government, Father, who dare to stand for truth, for life, liberty, Father, I pray that they would be encouraged, that they wouldn't back down or compromise or turn aside, but that they'd be encouraged and that they would be successful, that they'd be victorious. This truly is a battle for the, the hearts of our people, Father, and it's not exactly the same battle as the battle waged against uh your enemy and ours, Satan, but it's related, and we certainly uh, would like to see success in this, Father, and we just call out to you for your help on every level. Father, I pray for Israel and its circumstances and uh, for the president there that you would encourage him, and if it's your will, Father, that he'd be uh, permanently installed, having won the election, but now being his position being threatened by the political situation. So we just commit him and that struggling nation to you, Father. And I pray, Father, for him, not knowing anything about his spiritual condition, but wondering often about it, pray that you would draw him to yourself. What a glorious thing that would be. So, Father, as we look into your word now, please bless us with... Um, joy, really, as we uh, see written that which you've uh, written there so many years ago through your prophets and uh, through um, the apostles, and may we be blessed by that today. Father, I'd ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 
Okay, today we get to finish up this section. Um, it's a three-part um, series on on dispensational contrasts, and we've been looking at those by looking back uh, into the Gospels as well as looking at Paul's letters, especially the Thessalonian letters, right? And uh, I've seen that there uh, are many differences which can only be explained by realizing that those scriptures uh, about Israel and about the times of Jacob's trouble and about uh, what Satan will accomplish or, or fail to accomplish uh, during those days, that seven-year period of great tribulation, all of that is written in reference to the coming of the Lord, uh, which we have often called the second coming, right? <clears throat> the coming of the Lord to this earth to establish his kingdom. Now, of course, there are many other goals that the Lord will have reached at that point, and maybe the largest is that the, there will be an elect of uh, Israel uh, saved, gloriously saved during the tribulation period, but not till the very end of it, it seems. And uh, we looked into that and saw how blessed it is to consider how at the Lord's second coming, There'll be so many that are drawn to him uh, and that even see the wounds in his hands, right, and and are uh, drawn by that, uh, as Thomas was uh, so many, many years ago now. Um, they will see that those marks in his hands and wonder what they are and finally realize the truth that he indeed has uh, uh been offered up as a lamb, as a sacrifice for them once and for all. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, so what we've seen is that there are different revelations uh, that present these different truths, some concerning the rapture, the catching up into heaven's glory that we are looking forward to, uh, where we'll meet the Lord in the air. Uh, others uh, are in reference to the uh, second coming of Christ to this earth with a different set of objectives than, than our rapture, our, our catching up. Our rapture, our catching up into heaven's glory uh, is to initiate the fulfillment of our heavenly hope, of course, right? Not an earthly hope, a heavenly hope. And there's a big difference between that and what has been promised to so many, so many over the years as the kingdom itself was prophesied and preached by, by a great many down through the centuries. Okay. So we've noted some, some, some distinctions. Uh, I think rather than summarizing them, I want to just jump into it. I, I think that we'd be benefited by uh, looking directly at these scriptures. And even though we've looked at some of them before, not all of you were with us. So uh, it will be beneficial for you to, perhaps to look at them freshly for the first time or maybe second, third, but at least you weren't with us here earlier. And for the rest of us to uh, remind ourselves of what we've already seen here as we've focused on these scriptures in detail. There are two parts to what I'd like to share today. First of all, what Paul has revealed, and uh, there's, a, there's a special word Paul uses 
in reference to the coming of Christ for us, the coming of Christ for the body of Christ, uh, a special word he uses and encourages uh, us with, and you'll see what that is in just a moment. <laughs> it won't take long to uh, to understand that this blessed word is a very special one that we should hide in our hearts and, and never let uh, let escape from from them since it's so so wonderful indeed. But uh, we're going to see that in First uh, Thessalonians chapter four. Uh, and in chapter 5 as well. <clears throat> so first we see uh, what Paul writes about the coming of the Lord and what's offered to us. And then we'll see uh, what Peter and John wrote concerning the second coming of Christ. We'll see how totally different they are. Uh, and uh, so that will be our second focus here this morning. Our conclusion at the end is going to be very simple, that what God has uh, has planned for us is so incredibly, it's, it, it's like mind-boggling in its significance, and in the glory of it, in the grace of it, and uh, the, the liberty of it, what he's offered to us, and the life that we have in Christ is just... Uh, a transforming life. It's a totally new, renewed uh, kind of living because of the hope that we have and the distinctiveness of that hope. So I uh, hope that it's a blessing to you to consider that today. And as we look at the contrast, we'll see uh, even more. We'll understand and comprehend even more about how significant it is uh, that we understand this clearly. Okay, so let's start out um, the Lord's return, according to Paul. And uh, <clears throat> I'd like Gail to read, and in the last verse that Gail reads will be that special word I'm, I'm talking about. So, Gail, would you please read in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Thank you, Gail. So there's that special word. The word starts with a, a very big C. The word is? What's the word, Gail? Comfort. Yes. Okay, comfort one another with these words. Now, how can Paul uh, speak in such a positive way <laughs> about the return of the Lord, considering everything else that's written in Scripture about the return of the Lord, right? And we'll look at that uh, in a moment. But, uh, you know, um, the coming of the Lord was prophesied to be a time of great trial upon the earth, right? Uh, a trial greater than anything that had ever come on the earth before. Well, uh, 
if you've been watching the news, you've been reading about tornadoes, right? What kind of trial does a tornado bring um, to those in its path, right? But what's going to happen on the earth when the Lord returns the second time, according to prophecy, will be even greater as a trial than that. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> so how can one comfort oneself considering that is the question. Well, the answer is, Paul's writing here about our meeting with the Lord in the air, which is a very special, not a prophesied event at all, but something he calls a sacred secret or a mystery in so many places, right? So, therefore, we may and should take advantage of all the blessings of the Lord and comfort ourselves with these Words. These promises are living and powerful, right? Um, I was recently reading um, somewhere, and I don't remember quite where this was, but someone was commenting on having uh, rest and peace in these troubled times in which we live. And what they what they wrote was that we can have that special peace and that special comfort, no matter what comes our way in this life, only if we have this special hope that comes through the promises of God. Okay, so there's power in the promises. The promises aren't just telling the future. I mean, it would be a different sort of thing if, uh, if this was just a, a prophecy that had no power, right, that just told us what was going to happen historically in the future, eventually. Uh, it's more than that. There's power in the words, and they they bless our hearts according to the working uh, of grace, and uh, so be it, right? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, uh, he writes here. What a precious, precious thing indeed that is. Okay, um, well, uh, Anne, would you please read uh, for us in... Uh, chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. Okay. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Mm-hmm. Wherefore, comfort yourself together and edify one another. I'm sorry, even as also you do. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Anne. Uh, again, the special word, comfort. Comfort yourselves, he says. Comfort yourselves together. Edify means to build one another up in the faith, right? The precious faith. And he says, I know you're already doing it, but do it more and more. <laughs> and uh, so how can Paul exhort these believers this way? It's because he says, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So, the Lord isn't holding you to a legal standard according to which 
your obedience will bring you the blessing or your disobedience will bring you uh, judgment and cursing. No, that would be a legal standard. Uh, actually, Israel will be under that standard in the tribulation period, right? Uh, Paul's just written about that earlier in the same chapter here in chapter 5, verses uh, 1 through 8. We studied that in detail previously here in our fellowship. Not all that long ago, really. Uh, but he says, he has not appointed us to wrath. What a blessing to know this, right? But to obtain salvation. And you know what that salvation is? It's the catching up into heaven's glory, right? Yeah, that's uh, the next thing on our horizon. Praise the Lord. So, uh, we don't have to be concerned about the thief in the night who's going to come. That's for Israel living in the tribulation period. Okay? And we've studied that in detail. I won't say too much more about it. Just that uh, the Lord taught uh, in Matthew 24 and 25, and we just looked at it uh, very recently, uh, four parables. One about the times of Noah and how the flood came upon them without warning, really. Well, uh, the, the prophet Noah was preaching the coming judgment, but nobody would listen, right? But there were no other signs. Everything went on as if it had been uh, before, right? Uh, there were no signs. All of a sudden, the heavens open and the rain begins to fall. And finally, there's a deluge, right? And nobody's prepared for it except for those that God has set aside, right? And that's Noah and his family, right? And there are three other parables also given there. One about ten virgins that have prepared for the coming of the Lord, but five of them didn't prepare seriously, and five did, right? And, you know, the consequence of that. Okay, so the Lord will come as a thief in the night at the end of the tribulation period. And uh, how many will be prepared? Well, God will have his elect nation hidden off finally uh, in a special place at that time, right? Um, God will be faithful, and uh, no matter uh, what mankind does, he will accomplish his wonderful purpose. Um I would like us to also consider, though, and I've asked Linda to read it, um, from Matthew 24, because what's going to happen in the tribulation period is that these times of great trial that will come on the earth, which should be enough to destroy uh, everyone, will be limited in scope and duration. And that's for a specific purpose that God can, in fact, uh, deliver his people Israel and his nation, uh, and that's uh, an essential purpose of the tribulation period, that there be a nation created finally at the end of that time. So when the Lord returns, he'll, he'll accomplish the redemption of that holy people. That's so that they can then be given, of course, the land that have been promised so many generations and centuries before, right? So, Linda, would you please read for us there, Matthew 24, verses 13 through 22. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. 
And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee unto the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them which give suck in those days. For pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall great tribulation, such as was since was not seen, beginning of the world, to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Thank you, Linda. So we see that uh, in the tribulation period, the Lord does a very special work in a number of areas to accomplish his great purpose. And the focus is very much on Israel. Notice it's talking about Judea, Judea. Let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. The focus is on the Holy Land. It's on Judea. It's on Jerusalem. Okay? Because when the Lord comes the second time, where does he come to on this earth? It is Jerusalem. Right? And uh, he will finish the salvation of his people. And he will then establish a kingdom that has a a capital city that actually will not be built with hands. It will come down from heaven and rest there where the current uh, city of Jerusalem is. Okay, so uh, there will be great, great miracles at that time. and But the purpose is revealed in all these scriptures here, so what God will actually be doing and what he will be accomplishing for his honor and glory. And it's so necessary. He's made promises to Israel uh, down through the centuries that haven't been fulfilled. Some promises have been fulfilled, having to do with Messiah, Israel's Messiah, our Savior, the Lord Jesus. They've been fulfilled, uh, not entirely, but in many ways, right? Uh, His blood has been shed for the sins of the world, and he has been gloriously raised from the dead, right? But all the promises given to Israel as a nation remain unfulfilled. So the Lord must fulfill that which he has spoken for his people. Okay, Uh, those that miss the signs of the times uh, in that period will not flee, as it says here, to the special place, and they will be lost. It's a sad thing to consider. Paul repeats several times that the Thessalonian believers were not in darkness nor in those times. We just read of of that there. Uh, Actually, we skipped it. We could have read it. We skipped it over to to, uh, move ahead a little more quickly. But in the first part of 1 Thessalonians 5, we read of that, that the Thessalonian believers They were not like others who would eventually be in that time of trial, but they were in the time of light, he says, not darkness. And so this is all about the working of God in these different time frames. It may seem rather complex to you. You know how simple it would be if all we had 
were the words written to the church, the body of Christ. <laughs> but the Bible is a large book. Most of it's written for another time and another place, right? And for a different people than what we are today. Uh, so be it. Um, okay, let's now look at the second part here, and that is the Lord's return according to Peter and John, because actually Peter and John have very much to, to say about this subject that we're considering, the, the return of the Lord. Peter's comments are very interesting um, and uh, somewhat, perhaps uh, they may seem somewhat perplexing to you, but I think they are also uh, very, very simple if only we could gain the proper understanding. So let's just see about that. Uh, perhaps today will be the day to gain that understanding. Patty, would you please read Second Peter chapter 3? Verses 8 through 16. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye, ought to, ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent, that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Okay, thank you, Patty. Um, there's much here that we don't have time to comment on today, especially those last uh, couple of verses. I, I would just like to say one or two things, though. It's very clear, I think, that Peter's writing to those Jews. He's certainly writing to Jews. You can see that from his uh, earlier comments there in his letters. But writing to Jews that had an expectation 
of the second coming of the Lord coming, hopefully during their lifetime, right? But everything has slowed down, it seems. It seems as if uh, the signs and the miracles are no longer uh, being present as they once were. Things are clearly changing as the new dispensation has begun, right? And so Peter, and I'm sure the other 11 apostles who had special uh, promises given to them concerning the second coming of Christ, right, and what would be accomplished after that in the kingdom, they are in a situation which was unprecedented, really. Uh, Paul has now taken over. He's the apostle of the day. And uh, he's written one letter, at least, to these Jews that Peter's writing to. He says that in, in verse 15. And then he's written all these other letters to the Gentiles, right? And and, and <laughs> what he's writing of is grace uh, and uh, circumstances, which are far different than what they had expected would occur soon, right? And so what, is, what does Peter say? He says an amazing thing, really. He says uh, something about how one day is with the Lord is a thousand years. In other words, Time, as we count it, isn't the same as how the Lord counts it, right? Uh, a thousand years for the Lord is like one day to him. Uh, it's a thousand years to us. I wonder if that's a hint that it's going to be thousands of years until the second coming, right? Well, in fact, it has been nearly 2,000 years uh, where we live today, right? Um But nevertheless, he says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but he is going to accomplish that promise in his timing, not ours, right? And then he he says this, uh, I find it pretty uh, profound, really. He says, he's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Then he mentions the Lord coming as the thief in the night, right? Well, that's language that relates directly to the second coming and not the rapture, right? So, you know, Peter is 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 um, is troubled. It seems to me, uh, considering that all this time is now going to pass. But eventually, he knows for sure the Lord will accomplish those promises that have been given, right? The Lord Himself in Matthew twenty-four, where we didn't read today, but did I think last week and the week before, mentions uh, the thief in the night in reference to his second coming, right? So Peter is saying, well, there's a time of long-suffering now. And in verse 15, he says the same, account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul has written. Okay? So what is a defining characteristic of the time we live in today under grace? It is long-suffering suffering, right? Uh, And uh, we've spoken to that uh, before, what that means, what this long-suffering is all about. But grace and long-suffering of the Lord go together so perfectly. So it is. We live in a time today. God's judgment is not falling on this earth the way it will. He's long-suffering towards us and not wanting any. To perish. What a precious statement indeed. Okay, now let's look at what the Apostle John has written as we finish up today. And I, I, I've picked out to start with 
just um, two verses, and this is this is at the very beginning of his great book of Revelation, called in our Bibles the Revelation of John, right? Well, it's really the revelation of Jesus Christ, as we've uh, mentioned before. The first words in that book are the revelation, the apocalypse, <laughs> apocalypse, the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? And so to set the stage for the whole thing, the apostle John, uh, who has had the, these visions, now r- writes it down in this fashion, Stephanie, please read just those two verses. They are verses of great uh, power and clarity, I think. Uh, Revelation 1, verses 7 and 8. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the ending saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Amen. Thank you, Stephanie. Okay, well, look at look at that. Now, in just a couple of verses, he says so much. He's coming with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. They also which pierced him. Hmm. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because why because he's coming in judgment right this is not at all even similar to what's revealed concerning the rapture of the church you see it's talking about a totally different coming of the lord Uh, first of all (laughs) it's clear that uh, this is very public indeed every eye right there isn't any person face of the earth here is not going to see the Lord coming at that time, right? The rapture, of course, is private only to those caught up into heaven's glory, right? Very significant difference. Unfortunately, when he comes, there's not going to be great rejoicing. Uh, Rather, they're going to be wailing. Why? Because they uh, know that they're going to be judged, right? Um, It's a time of judgment that will come on this earth. Again, so different from the rapture, which is a time of great blessing coming to us who are uh, uh, caught up to meet him in the air in a twinkling of an eye. In other words, it seems to me that what that's saying is uh, back from First Thessalonians 4, right, uh, that it, it's, um, <laughs> it's in, in kind of an instantaneous, uh, unexpected thing with no signs and wonders leading up to it or anything else, right? Quite different here, uh, as John reveals uh, the second coming of Christ uh, to this earth, right? Um, Let's read about that, Roy, if you would. These details are given so clearly in Revelation right at the end of the book, nearly at the end. We could also read in chapter 21, but let's read in chapter 19, Roy, from verses 11 through 16, where we read of this visible coming in judgment. Go ahead, Roy. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he sat upon him, and was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he just judge and make war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, 
and on his head were many crowns and had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with an iron rod, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Thank you, Roy. Oh, well, well, that's a scene indeed of great, great judgment to pour, be poured out on this earth. And if the times were not shortened and if they were not protected in the wilderness, even his own elect would be lost in the conflict, according to Matthew 24, 22. Uh, so the bottom line is that the Lord's second coming to earth will be visible to all. It will be time of great suffering on earth. He will wage war against those who have been captured by Satan's lies in the tribulation period, and um, they that have received the mark of the beast uh, will, of course, uh, be judged uh, eternally, but the elect of God will never compromise. They will not receive the mark of the beast, even though not to receive it, of course, as we've learned before here in our studies, will mean they're cut off from their only source of food and uh, provision, right? So uh, that's uh, what will happen when Christ comes again to this earth, and comes the second time, right? He will come in victory over all of his enemies. What a difference with the rapture, which is private and just for uh, the church, the body of Christ, right? Remember that special word I uh, had to start out with today? <laughs> that word relates to you and me. If we've trusted in the Lord Jesus, we can look forward to his blessed coming. It is our blessed hope. Comfort is all part of our inheritance, right? Eternal comfort with him. So it isn't trial and tribulation that we look forward to. He says, comfort yourselves considering the precious truths uh, of uh, the rapture, the catching up into heaven's glory to receive our eternal inheritance, right? Wow, what a blessing that will be. Well, I open it uh, to you for any questions or comments you may have.
Are you enjoying his comfort today? That would be the most important question. Yes. Amen. Yes, I hear Gail, I hear Patty. Yes. Uh, don't we want to say amen? <laughs> amen. <laughs> we do. Okay. Well, Lord bless all of you. And uh, next time, Lord willing, uh, we enter into just a couple of uh, studies, not many, just a couple, on the 1,000-year millennial kingdom, the kingdom of Christ on this earth that will be instituted once Christ has returned at the end of the tribulation period, right? Um, and then we'll be finished. We'll be finished with the studies in the long war against God, because at that point, Christ has defeated all of his enemies. There'll be no more war uh, ever again, right, between man and God. Christ will have accomplished all of the purposes that uh, the Lord God had ordained. Praise the Lord for that and that we can enjoy his grace today. And if you can enjoy it today, you can enjoy it forever, right? And uh, that's uh, that's our pre precious uh, privilege. So let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you for gathering us today. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus and uh, on the basis of, on the foundation of the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, it has been shed, poured out without limit for our sins and the sins of the world. Father, thank you that this great offering has been made and that it has been received by you. Now the issue is carrying out the plan of salvation for all those that still remain unsaved and and the blessings for all those who who've been drawn to you in saving faith so father i thank you that uh, you will accomplish that great purpose and uh, we don't know the times that you've ordained for our catching up into your presence but father it may be soon perhaps today so father we just commit each one under the sound of our hearing to you and to the word of your grace, which is so precious and so powerful, and uh, your grace, which is always sufficient. So, Father, thank you again for blessing us so greatly and for all of the, uh, the joy that we have in knowing you. And we would thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.